very happy to be back. It's something that's never ceased to amaze me that even after three years here, I get the same experience every time I leave for a vacation where I'm actually more excited on my way home than when I was on my way out. And uh, something that I got out of this trip, traveled down to California. Most people are trying to get out of California. I had to go into California. I went to this um, cabin up in the Lost Coast. But to get there, I had to pick up some friends from the airport. Two priest friends were flying in there. And basically, I ended up having to drive about 19 hours each way. And I just, I, as I was driving down there, I couldn't wait to get to the destination. I was so excited. And when we finally got there, I remember just saying one of the first things that came out of my mouth is we got this beautiful cabin and such a recluse and peaceful area by the ocean and the forest. I was like, man, I can't believe we only have three days here. It's really too bad. And I remember the last day right before we're leaving, I was like, thank God we only had three days here. I'm so ready to go home. And when I got in the car, I was just so happy and joyful on this next stage to keep moving now back. And this is, a, it's actually a psychological phenomenon. We read all about, in the readings today, all about hope, right? And Abraham receiving the promise of hope and living with that promise for 40 years, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. Well, the thing about the human person is we are made for hope. We are not even made for possession. And that's why whenever we get whatever we hope for, after a little bit of time with it, we just think, well, what's next? That's always the question that comes out of our hearts. What is next? And Dostoevsky, he pointed this out in one of his great novels called The Idiot. And uh, one of the characters is making this point, And he says, oh, you may be sure that Columbus was happy, not when he had discovered America, but when he was discovering it. Take my word for it. The highest moment of his happiness was just three days before the discovery of the new world, when the mutinous crew were on the point of returning to Europe in despair. It wasn't the new world that mattered, even if it had fallen to pieces. Columbus died almost without seeing it and not really knowing what he had discovered. It's life that matters, nothing but life, the process of discovering, the everlasting and perpetual process, not the discovery itself, and that is all. And so when St. Paul, he's really just alluding on a philosophical level that it's the discovery, the process of life that really draws us more than the thing in itself that is attained. But when St. Augustine spoke those beautiful words back in, in the fourth century, you made us, O Lord, for your heart, for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We think of that as such a, like a poetic expression of our final destination, but that's actually a condemnation to our state of life on earth. That we are going to be perpetually restless, always hoping for the next thing. And that is because our infinite capacity within us is our intellect, our soul. We can fill every single desire within our body, but we can never fulfill our intellect. It's in, it has an infinite capacity. And St. Thomas says that's one of the greatest proofs that we are made for God. Because nothing on this earth ever satisfies us. And that's what we come to in the Sabbath. I think that's why the, the readings connect that hope of Abraham 
to the Sabbath rest that Christ talks about. Because we lose our way, we literally sin when we miss the mark. And we sin and we miss the mark when we place too much hope in this world. Whenever I'm with my family, something I used to get so angry about when I'd visit back from seminary, my sister would say to me, if I was getting really upset about something, she said, have you done your prayers today? And I just get so angry because I knew in the depth it was right. I hadn't taken the time to do my prayers, to go in front of the, the tabernacle. And if you've noticed yourself, when we don't take time to pray, what happens? All of our hope becomes connected with this world. Therefore, we're so much easily agitated with the passing things of this life. But the more we enter into the Sabbath rest that Christ is calling us into, to truly step out of the world and remember that nothing will ever be perfect here and that hope is made for heaven, well, gives me the security that even when things are going wrong around me, that's okay. Because I'm, I'm aiming for eternity. And that's why Christians should be the happiest people on this earth. Because nothing can take away my ultimate hope. And all of our deepest joys in life come not from possession, but from the hope of what we are moving towards. And the more we step out of the world to enter into the hope of eternity, it filters everything else that we do in life. That's also why atheism and despair, nihilism, they always go hand in hand. And we're becoming a very nihilistic culture because we're becoming a more atheistic culture. And there's only so long we can hope in this world before we become frustrated. The last thing on the Sabbath, that's why just a good note to hear, the first thing that any atheist regime will try to do when it takes over a country, when it tries to separate from Christianity, you know what the first thing they attack is? The Sabbath. Separate the people from a Sunday rest where they think about themselves, where they think about their ultimate goals and for eternity, and then we'll get them completely obsessed with this world. Then this world becomes our search for the utopia, and everything falls with that. So we could, we could ask ourselves in this is, how am I living, number one, the Sabbath rest on Sunday? And am I allowing the passing things of this world to destroy my joy, to take away my happiness? Then you have to ask, well, where is my hope? If my hope is truly in God and I'm feeding that hope with prayer, then no matter what I go through in life, nothing can quench my heart. I'm going to end by reading a passage from St. Augustine on this very thing. He talks about our desire is itself our prayer when oriented towards heaven. For that very desire of your heart is your prayer, O Christian. And if your desire continues uninterrupted, then so does your prayer. It was not in vain that the apostle said, pray without ceasing. Can we be always bending the knee, prostrating the body, or lifting up our hands? that he says, pray without ceasing. If that is what prayer means, then I say we cannot do it without ceasing. But there is another inward kind of prayer without ceasing, which is the desire of the heart. Whatever activity you happen to be engaged in and are doing, if you only long for the Sabbath, then you do not cease to pray. If you do not want to pause in prayer, then never pause in your longing for heaven. Your continuous desire is your continuous prayer. If you cease to desire, then you will have fallen silent in your prayer. 
Who are those who have fallen silent? Those of whom it is said, Because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold on this earth. The freezing of love is the silence of the heart. The burning of love is the cry of the heart. If love continues, then you are still lifting up your voice. If you are always lifting up your voice, you are always longing after something. If you are always longing, it is the Sabbath rest of God you are thinking of.